0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Hi everyone, how are you doing? Hopefully, you're staying warm. It's hot, isn't it? Just like this message is going to be. Just kidding. <laughs> See, it makes it really easy, you like to recruit for you know my love of cool weather and uh, and fall. Don't worry, summer's almost over. We're getting there. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> Well, I hope you're, you're doing well to stay cool. And, uh, and uh, yeah, but it, the sun has been nice, uh, especially in the evenings when it gets a little bit cooler. Well, last week we began a new series in the book of Philippians called Relentless Joy. Our goal through this series is to look at the idea of biblical joy using Philippians as our focus point uh, and learn about how joy works. And then hopefully that will have an effect on our thinking and Uh, the living out of that uh, in our day-to-day life. So today we enter the second message of this series. If you were here last week, I shared with you that uh, you will hear some other voices in this series. And so I will be sharing with you this morning and then next week. And then you're going to hear from three other voices in the month of August. And the reason is that I have been invited to join Bishop Matt Whitehead uh, on a trip to Africa for the last uh, half of August, uh, and so I'm really excited about this opportunity. Uh, in consultation with our board, I accepted the invitation to travel with Bishop Whitehead to Malawi, and uh, Bishop Matt and I are going to go to three different annual conferences, and uh, I will have an opportunity to speak at all of those, and so I'm really excited about this opportunity. So. That means that you're going to hear a few other voices uh, through the the rest of this series as well. So I will leave August 10th and we'll be back August 26th, so the trip is coming up quickly. So I would just ask if you would pray for me and for Bishop Matt as we travel and speak at those annual conferences. But for the rest of our series, Pastor Mark Morrison is going to be preaching on uh, August 14th. Uh, Pastor Kevin Austin will be teaching on August 21st, and then Pastor Holly will be teaching on August 28th to close out the series. I'll be here on the 28th, but I'll be severely jet lagged, so you don't want to hear me share anything uh, on that day. Uh, but, so we began last week by talking, as we jump into the book of Philippians, we began last week by, by talking about one of the main points for the entire series, which is this, if you remember, that joy. Is an attitude that God's people adopt not because of happy circumstances but because of their hope in God, His love, and His promises. We emphasize the fact that true joy is built on a foundation of who God is and not our own circumstances or how we might feel. I know that's sometimes difficult to experience in our life, but it's true. Paul starts his letter with a greeting that if you remember, we talked about is one of those greetings that you kind of just read over really quickly, but we thought we just encouraged uh, us together not to read over that, uh, that uh, quick greeting because he reminds us of two major concepts for the Christian life and foundations for what true joy is built upon, God's grace and His peace. And if you remember that, powerful ideas. We're thinking about how joy works in our life. Well, this week I'd like to highlight a human experience, uh, that may be because of the heat we're all experiencing today. But a highlight, uh, an experience that leaves us feeling a lack of joy. In fact, most of the time we feel like these two experiences cannot coexist. And that is the idea of joy and suffering, hardship. So we kick off today looking at Philippians just after the greeting uh, that we got from Paul last week. But now that the greeting is over in the story of the book of Philippians, Paul gets into the bad news. If they had streaming news services back then, at least for the early church, I bet the news about Paul's situation would be all over the networks. Paul, the main apostle and leader of many house churches for people of the way, arrested and held in prison. What a headline, right? Things for the early church at this point had really started to take, really started to take off. God's spirit was moving powerfully and in significant ways. The church was having a major impact in large cities through these tiny little house churches all over the place. In fact, one author I read this week wrote that about the beginning of Philippians, the apostolic dream was happening, but the apostle Paul was in jail. We read it so matter-of-factly with such familiarity today that we miss the gravity of Paul's situation and what that meant for the early church. Paul is in prison in Rome. Things are not going well for him at all. In fact, the last several years of Paul's life was a very difficult journey. Here's a few things that he went through. He spent two years in jail in, uh, in, in, uh, on false charges. He was then sent away to Rome, and he shipwrecked along the way. Do you remember these stories? He ends up on an island in the Mediterranean where he's stranded for three months, and while he's on this island, he gets bitten by a poisonous snake. And You can't make this stuff up, Right? Then after a while, he's imprisoned again in Rome with a guard chained to him for 24 hours a day, meaning that he has no privacy whatsoever. Just imagine that. You could certainly say of Paul's life that he has suffered quite a bit, and we know that he's gone through beatings, stonings, all other kinds of things. Paul had given everything to Jesus. How could, it be, how could all of this be happening to him? He did everything he was asked to, and this was his reward, a Roman prison cell— It's tough. That's hard. Someone should have told them that this was a terrible recruitment strategy for new preachers for the New Testament church. Unlike Pastor Holly's brilliant recruiting strategy of how it's much, much cooler downstairs. They should—maybe Pastor Holly should give them some pointers. Uh, This was just not—this wasn't just another day at the office for the New Testament church. This was catastrophic, and Paul was suffering. He had every reason to be bitter and angry. But we don't get bitter and angry in the book of Philippians, in the letter of Philippians. What we find is an encouragement toward joy and rejoicing even in these difficult circumstances. I read so many stories this past week on the relationship between suffering and joy. I'm going to share some of those with you today. One author I read named Marshall Marshall Siegel wrote this. The apostle Paul was imprisoned over and over, beaten with rods, slandered by his enemies, flogged with lashes five times, stoned almost to death, often deprived of food, water, shelter and sleep. In 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 11 it says that he was in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, he writes, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters. It's a lot of danger he faced. And yet he's always rejoicing. He could write, from the loneliness and injustice uh, 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 and the distress of his cell, Rejoice in the Lord always." And I say it again, he writes, "Rejoice." And then he ends his, this paragraph by writing this: "Paul used to see ab, used to seem abnormal and extraordinary, even spectacular. I thought he was an anomaly until I began witnessing more and more women and men like him today, braving. Inconceivable trials, conflict with cancer, betrayal and abandonment, persecution and loss, with surprising joy in God, they prove what we all experience in one way or another, that if we look to Him, that is Jesus, when we're thrown into the wilderness of suffering, He will lead us to secret sanctuaries of peace, strength, hope, and yes, even joy. And this is what Paul tells us. This is the perspective that he gives us. We looked at this passage in Philippians chapter 1 last week. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, Paul writes, that everything that has happened to me here has, hel- has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear powerful stuff. Another author I I read said this, you can put the apostle in jail, but you can't imprison the gospel, and you can't imprison Jesus. Amen? (laughs) The message will only get stronger. It's in the most turbulent of storms where Jesus demonstrates time and time again the most transformational suffering in and through him. So I think one of the keys to experiencing joy in the midst of suffering is recognizing and remembering what Jesus does. That is, He is uh, the Lord of transformation. The Lord of perspective shifting and reorienting back onto Him. Not only in particular circumstances, but we see this in, uh, all over the story of Scripture. In other words, when we encounter difficult life circumstances as followers of Jesus, we who follow Jesus simply approach those situations differently because we know we have faith in the creator, redeemer, and sustainer of all things. We do not give in to despair. Amen? This is certainly easier to say than it is to experience at times, but it is the truth, and it is how Jesus works. I've experienced this even in my own life, As we've walked through some very difficult and painful circumstances. Faith in Jesus and God. Faith in Jesus and who God is can get you through some of the most difficult things that you you will ever face. God can sustain you. And when He can sustain you and give you hope even when you feel like you don't have strength on your own. So I love that God does this transformational work when we bring our suffering to him. And that suffering can't stop what God's going to do. I love that the Romans thought, well, if we put Paul in jail, we put Jesus in jail. Problem solved, right? (laughs) But what happens when you put Jesus in jail? The jail changes, right? People experience hope. Because God is a God of redemption and renewal and transformation. You put Jesus in jail, things are going to change. People are going to experience hope. Even in the midst of suffering, they might even experience joy. It's incredible what God does. Think about this in the larger perspective of life. Where might you be suffering today? What are some hardships that you might be facing in your life? What if you took that suffering and your understanding of, what it, uh, of that to include the character and nature of God and you bring it to Him? What does Jesus do when He meets our suffering and pain? He redeems. He restores. He gives strength, strength and He renews purpose. That's what Jesus does. And that's why we can have relentless joy even in the midst of suffering. Is there a place where you might be experiencing even brokenness in your life? Are you experiencing maybe the brokenness and difficulty of a relationship breaking down or a lingering sin or fear or sickness? You know, we have an enemy uh, and a world around us thinks good. If you just introduce brokenness and suffering to to a follower of Jesus, it'll hinder Jesus and the message of the gospel. And we all get a grin on our face because we know, Scripture tells us, and, our, and we've experienced it, that when you bring brokenness and suffering to Jesus, what does He do? He redeems, He restores, He heals, He gives strength, and He renews purpose. Jesus can take any situation far, that's far from the realm of, of maybe what God intended, and cause it to serve his purposes in astonishing ways. Have you ever experienced that? Paul is a great example of this. Uh, Paul is a great example of this. Perhaps God never intended for Paul to be in prison as much as he was. But what did God do with Paul's imprisonment? He changed the world, not only just the, the prison that he was there, but he changed the world through the letters that Paul wrote in prison. And, it, and those letters continue to change hearts and minds and will so for, for, from now. Amen? God took something that maybe he didn't intend for Paul to experience and he used it to change the world because God works like that. We can experience joy even in the midst of suffering. It's incredible to think about how God works and how biblical joy works. Joy is the surprising manifestation of God in the midst of difficult circumstances. I'm going to say that again. Joy is the surprising manifestation of God in difficult circumstances. Have you ever been in a difficult circumstance and experienced God's presence? Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're giving me the strength that I don't have. Maybe, I th- Maybe you think, I, don't- I didn't think I could get through this. And then God shows up. Your perspective changes, and you have a renewed purpose. Maybe you even can use that difficulty for God's glory, not only for yourself, your family, but people around you. One author said this, to rejoice means to declare the confounding presence of God to your circumstances. He writes, and I love this, there's truth in the cliche, don't tell God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big your God is. (laughs) right? Maybe a little bit cheesy, but man, it's true. Another author wrote, we must only allow our suffering to lead us into deeper surrender to Jesus. This means finding a posture of unshakable faith in Jesus rather than devoting all our energies to fighting against the circumstance. And Paul writes in chapter 1, verse 29, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Jesus, but also the privilege of suffering for him. This is one of those verses, it's like, Paul, can you just not write that? That's uncomfortable. (laughs) But also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Even though Paul was struggling and suffering in this prison With all that he's gone through, he encourages the believers in Philippi and you and I to rejoice in the midst of difficulty and suffering. Remember, this is written in the context of a very difficult experience. And he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it again. He writes, rejoice! (laughs) Exclamation point. (laughs) Let your gentleness be evident to all. Who feels like they want to be gentle when you're suffering, right? It's hard. It's a hard call. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace, there's that idea of peace again, and the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard our hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul brings an emphasis to this point, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And if we explore the Greek text, we find that the meaning of the term always, it means... always. (laughs) There's no circumstance in life that can elude joy when we bring that circumstance into the presence of God. And while joy comes from the Holy Spirit, it comes to those who by faith choose to rejoice, to give that circumstance to God. And in case he wasn't clear, he repeats it. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Paul is not the only one who talks about the idea of suffering and our ability to rejoice in the midst of it. James, Jesus' brother, also has something to say about it too in James chapter 1. Maybe you're familiar with this passage. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing." You know, we talk a lot about around here, the first step of our discipleship pathway. The first thing we, we say as followers of Jesus, one of the things that that means is we let the Scripture and Jesus teach us how we should think, act, how we should be. We, we say yes to biblical teaching. One of the things that we say, we verbalize this all the time, is that sometimes when you come to the Bible, you're going to get unsettled. It's going to be uncomfortable. And we think that's okay, <laughs> right? Because then, once we're unsettled, if we're convicted, we have a chance to grow. We have a chance to become more like Jesus. And I think you see the heart of that in this idea. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, if you're unsettled, we can take it on many, many levels of our experience, whether that's just teaching or even some of the lived experiences that we have. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. Why? Because you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You will grow in Jesus. And ultimately, we have the example of Jesus entering into suffering for us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run. With endurance, the race that, is, that God has set before us. Here, here it is. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I don't know if you were here for our Good Friday service, but one, I think, one of the most powerful moments of our Good Friday service we put on the screen an image of Jesus leaving, uh, being, being, uh, leaving his trial, carrying the cross. We played a song called Joy, but it was a very different version of that song. We, we kind of call it the Northwest Depressed version of Joy, right? But what a powerful image when you think about Jesus singing, I've got the joy, 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 uh, as he carries his cross for you and for me. This is powerful when you think about it. So even if the news is not great for Paul, even if holding up his life as an example of what it can look like to follow Jesus might not be a great recruitment strategy for the early church, Paul helps us understand how God works, how joy actually works. It's that through the power of God's Spirit in our lives and all that we go through, it can be an opportunity to, content, to experience a new, a, a different depth, of joy, a biblical joy, an opportunity for God to renew and to restore, for us to put our trust in Him and and have a sense of joy, to change brokenness into wholeness, uh, to change sickness into healing, to to bring hope in the midst of despair, to bring belonging to those of us who are once lost. What joy. You can find meaningful purpose in your life no matter what you're going through, And you can find a joy that is relentless when it's found in God and His purposes for you. There's nothing that God cannot restore. And our suffering is an opportunity for us to rely on God, to trust in Him, and to reorient our perspective to one of hope, not despair. I read a story this last week uh, about a worship service that was very moving, and so I'd like to share that with you as we end our, our this time together here. The author wrote about this service that he was uh, that he was leading. That after his message, he looked out into the crowd and he noticed BB Wynans. Anyone remember BB Wynans, a really famous gospel singer of some generations past, but still really good. Uh, and he noticed that this gospel singer was in attendance, and so he invited him to come up and he, to share at the end of this service. And here's what he wrote: The pastor, the pastor wrote this. We all expected and were looking forward to him singing one of his Grammy award-winning, multiple platinum-selling songs. But he began to tell us of the really hard things that he faced in his life in recent years, and how he'd been at the lowest of low places. Then he started talking about Jesus. And after a few minutes, he began rejoicing. And he broke out into a song. And it was a song that none of us had ever heard. It only had four words. And he sang, everything's going to be all right. <laughs> he writes, as he sang them over and over, the Spirit ushered the whole place into singing with them. That morning there were people with cancer there, uh, and people grieving losses and people on the brink of ruin and in the depths of despair, people in troubled marriages and families with wayward children. And every last one of them was rejoicing. Knowing that though they may feel like they are losing the battle here and now, though they may feel the weight of suffering, Jesus is with them bringing hope and despair and working in powerful ways. And there was a sense that everything was really going to be all right. Isn't that incredible? The pastor goes on to write that they sang for a long time, just those four words over and over and over again. And he said, and no one cared. He cited that he began to experience in a new way with the truth, the truth that's found in Psalm 30 verse 5. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. And the pastor ends his reflection by saying, Joy invaded us as the Spirit lifted us. It wasn't clappy-happy. It wasn't euphoric escapism. It was heaven come down, eternal life breaking in, and I can still hear the tune. Joy is an attitude that God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and His promise. Relentless joy is the surprising manifestation of the presence of God in the midst of difficult circumstances. And one more time, Paul used to seem abnormal and extraordinary, even spectacular. I thought he was an anomaly until I began witnessing more and more women and men like him today, braving inconceivable trials. And if we look to him when when we're thrown into the wilderness of suffering, he will lead us to secret sanctuaries of peace, strength, hope, and yes, even joy. Amen? Amen? Worship team, would you come on back up? Let's pray together.